0: Could I have the mic turned up a little bit? All right. All right, I will. Okay. (laughs) Uh, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Lydia. I am one of the pastors serving here at Seaside. And today, yes, because... Pastors, Caleb and Mina, are not here. Uh, like AJ prayed, they are in Japan, um, having a family trip. So I had the privilege, I have the privilege to deliver the word to you today. And I hope you are excited about having a live preacher, because I know you guys have been watching this, but now you have me here alive and breathing before you. Okay, so are you guys ready for the word? Men, all right. Okay, let's turn to Psalm chapter 23, verse 6. This is a very familiar psalm, but don't underestimate it. Never underestimate the Word of God. Okay, is everyone there? No. (laughs) Okay, we're going to read it all together at the count of three. Okay? Psalm chapter 23, verse 6. Ready? One, two, three. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Everyone say amen. Amen. Okay, so this week, I came back home every single day, and I sat at the edge of my bed, and I thought to myself that that was the best day ever. And then at the end of this week, looking back, I really think that this was one of the best weeks ever of my life. Now, you may think that Lydia usually talks like this, you know, best day ever. But I want you to know that I am not a person who uses phrases like that, okay? Now if you look at Sanguine, Sanguine is a temperament who's like very outgoing and, you know, vivid wording and the, you know, life is like HD, right? But Sanguine's are those people who always uses words like this. Best, you know, pizza ever. Best movie ever. But me, I'm the voice of reason. Okay? I am the person who usually stands behind and says, actually it's not that great, you know? When Pastor Caleb says, Nuggie, his dog, is the cutest dog in the world, I'm the person who says, no, she has a great personality, but she's not, she ain't that cute, okay? (laughs) So I want you to know that I am not the type of person who usually uses these kind of phrases. So you may be asking, why then, you know, did you say that that was the best day ever? Did your week go perfectly? You know those weeks where everything just ends up right, like, you know, your classes get canceled or something like that. And then uh, you get to get, spend a day at the cafe and then at the beach and you get to meet a friend. Sounds lovely, doesn't it? But, you know, I didn't have any of those days. I put in all 12 hours of my university, okay? <laughs> I know. I know some of you. <laughs> okay. Okay. Then there's something amazing, you know, like on White Day, did I meet the love of my life? Did I receive some kind of candy or whatever? I didn't get anything. So nothing really that spectacular happened last or this week. But what, ha- what happened is I've been meditating on Psalm chapter 23, verse 6. This is my year verse, the 2014 year verse of Lydia. Okay, so I've been really meditating upon this verse. And you know, when you start to meditate upon a verse, what happens is that the word starts to sink deep into your spirit. And then what happens is it starts to transform you from inside out. Especially if you bring your life, if you bring your mind, you bring your spirit into submission to the word. Because a lot of times when we read the word, what we do is we say, all right, God, let's see what you got for me, okay? And then... You know, when it says God is good, you're like, all right, well, show me you're good. You know, it's like a very challenging attitude when God says, bring yourself under the authority of my word. And so what I did was I was starting to bring myself under the authority of this word. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I started to pray this word over, over, over and over again, every single day, even multiple times throughout the day. I was like, surely, God, your goodness and your mercy shall follow me on my commutes, on the subway, on the bus, when that ajumma okay, is pushing me. But still, Lord, your goodness and your mercy is here. And then I started to pray, God, surely your goodness and your mercy will follow me into my classrooms. When I'm teaching, how are you? I'm fine. Okay, thanks, Ms. Johnson. Or, you know, things like that. But God, surely your goodness and your mercy is here in this class with my students. Every time I interact with them, your goodness and your mercy will show up. Surely, God, your goodness and your mercy will be with me when I walk down the street, when I shop at E-Mart. You know, whatever I'm doing, God, just like miracles, signs, and wonders follow Jesus wherever he went, surely, God, the same miracles and signs and wonders will follow me Wherever I go. Where I don't need to strive to see miracles, signs, and wonders. Yeah. But it just follows me if I believe it. Right. And so I start to pray this verse. You oh know, God, I'm gonna see healing and deliverance, not not just during powerful Sunday services, but every single day. You yeah. know, I'm gonna see divine appointments. And God, surely I cannot escape from your goodness and from your mercy. And so I went into this week literally feeling my entire being, my body, my mind, my spirit, everything inside of me was poised and positioned to receive from the goodness of God. But how many of you guys know that it's so much easier to expect things to go wrong than it is to expect things to go right? You know, as much as we hate, you know, hardship, as much as we hate pain, as much as we hate, you know, trials and tribulations, you know, when it comes to us, we almost feel vindicated. Like, I knew it. I knew it was coming. You know, and I knew, I knew. like, when I woke up today and my hair just couldn't seem to get right on my head, and then I looked out the window and, and it was starting to rain. I knew today was going to suck, right? That's how we feel a lot of times. You know, we are... Experts at painting worst-case scenarios of our life. All the different ways my life can fall apart. All the different wrong turns and wrong decisions I can possibly make. I'll probably lose my job. Or worse yet, I'll probably be teaching English the rest of my life in Korea to (laughs) seven-year-olds. Worst-case scenario. You guys know what I'm talking about. I'll probably be single on top of that lonely, a lonely English teacher the rest of my life. Yes, never. But, I mean, I'm being dramatic, of course, but there are times when these kind of thoughts creep in. You know, what if I never step into my destiny? You know, I have this dream that God's given me. You know, I have this calling upon my life. But, you know, and I just imagine, like, it being fulfilled. And then I think to myself, That's too good to be true. What do you mean it's too good to be true? You know, if it's too good, we often think it can't be true. And you see, we are experts at expecting evil in our lives. When we see evil come into our lives, we immediately identify it as true. Things that are too good, we say, that's too good to be true. But things that are evil, things like misfortune and pain, we say, that's true, God. That's the truth. And so when hardships and pain come knocking at our doors, we often open the door wide and say, I was expecting you. I knew you were coming. I was expecting you. As if they were familiar guests to you. But when the goodness of God comes knocking at your door, we're surprised. Whoa, what are you doing here? I didn't know you were coming. I wasn't expecting you. And then we start getting a little bit uncomfortable because sometimes too much goodness makes you a little uncomfortable, a little fidgety, like, I don't know what to do with myself right now. You know? And sure, we welcome the goodness of God. We feel happy. But we are so surprised when they come. Like, what are you doing here? And my question is, why do you keep treating the goodness of God, the favor of God, like a stranger? like a lucky draw in the game, like an exception in your life. You know, when that doorbell rings, we should be the ones who are running to that door, like expecting the goodness to be waiting outside that door and opening that door with joy, expecting the favor of God to show expecting the steadfast love of God to be outside that door. Let me just say this. It is the goodness and the mercy of God that has been following you. It's been pursuing you. It's been chasing you. Every single day of your life, every day, every hour, every minute, every second, it has been chasing you. His love and His favor have never left you, have never forsaken you. And when goodness comes knocking at your door, you should be saying, I was expecting you. Like, why did you take so long? (laughs) And brothers and sisters, how aware are you, the awareness, okay, how aware are you of the goodness of God in your life? have you ever been stalked? Now, I hope nobody says yes. I hope, you know. But I remember when um, I used to work in Seoul. I, you know, I I can't remember exactly what happened that day, but I came home late, and I was at the subway, and I think I took the last train. And I got out of the subway, and immediately my eyes fell on this guy on the other side of the street, and immediately my this is the creep bi- uh, radar went off, okay? <laughs> he just looked creepy. I, I, I can't, I know I'm not supposed to judge by appearance, okay? But he looked creepy. I got the vibe from him. And so I was like, oh, oh. And then, and then what happened was he started to follow me home. cross the street, started to follow me. And then, you know, when he came to the, or when we came to the uh, front of my apartment, my office tell, he came up to me, he was like, do you want to go for a drink? And I was like, oh. <laughs> well, I didn't say that, okay? They don't want to tick him off or anything like that. So I was just like, oh, uh, uh, my parents are waiting for me? So And then he just kind of left me alone, thank God, right? I was praying. Um, but, you know, when someone is stalking you are constantly aware of that person's presence. It's like every cell in your body is sensitized to whatever it is that's stalking you. Every hair on your body is standing up. But you know, the goodness of God has been stalking you, pursuing you, chasing you down every single day of your life. It is your stalker. Goodness and mercy are your stalkers. And so your soul, your mind, and your body should be sensitized, should be aware of the goodness and the mercies of God. But some of you, your entire being is sensitized instead to the difficulties of life. And you've developed a mindset of negativity. Like, you know, when someone asks me, Lydia, how are you? I interpret that as, Lydia, what's wrong in your life? And then I start to tell them, you know, this is what's wrong, and this went wrong in my life, and, you know, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. And, you know, you start to list all the different things that go wrong or that are wrong in your life. And I find myself just unburdening all the things that are either negative or that could be, ba- that could be better. You know, rather than being aware of the goodness of God that's following us, the goodness of God that never leaves us, you know, we're so sensitized to the work of the enemy in our lives, to what is wrong, to the brokenness of life. And when we look back, we look back in fear often, the fear of the evil that could be chasing us, fear of what could happen, rather than looking back with an assurance that God's favor is a shield about you. But don't get me wrong, you know, pain happens. We go through difficult situations in life. In fact, some of us I know have experienced just immense hardships. And not just once, but so often to the point that you do feel like it's evil and it's misfortune that's been chasing you all throughout your life. You know, it's it's the pain of life that's been stalking you and waiting for you at every corner of your journey. And even the Bible does promise that there will be trials and tribulations. So the point isn't to go into denial like, oh, that never happened. You know, pain never happens. That's not the point because Jesus knows your pain and He is with you in your pain. He walks with you through it all. And He understands your heart. He understands what's been done against you He understands, you know, you perfectly. And even David, you know, David was a man who knew hardship. He knew suffering. And so in Psalm chapter 23, he speaks of how he walks through the valley of the shadow of death. And if anybody got chased, it was David. He got chased by Saul for years in the wilderness. Chased by this man who was trying to pin him against the wall with a spear. But still, at the end of the psalm, he doesn't say, evil and calamity has been following me all the days of my life. He says, the goodness of God and the mercies of God have been following me, have been chasing me down all the days of my life. And it's because, you know, even though Saul was chasing him, he still, David still saw God's provision. He saw God protecting him. He saw God bring mighty men of valor around him. He saw God setting him up for the kingship of Israel. And that's why he cries out, you know, surely... Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And church, the goodness and mercy of God follows you into the darkest places of your life. It will chase you up every mountain, every obstacle that you have to climb, every valley that you have to go through. It doesn't leave you. It doesn't forsake you. You know, I guarantee you that no matter how dark your life has been, if you look back and you see the testimonies of God written in your life, you will see the goodness and the mercy that has been chasing you down. Uh, About, I think about a month ago, I was going through kind of a, it was a tough evening. You know, one of those days you just all of a sudden feel depressed about life. And so I was, you know, kind of depressed about my life. And then I just felt like God was saying, start to declare testimonies that I've written in your life. And so I started to do that. I was like, God, thank you for allowing me to be born in America the land of freedom and the land of opportunity. Surely the goodness and the mercy of God shall follow me all the days of my life. Thank you God that you brought me to Korea. Thank you God that you allowed me to meet my New Philly family. Surely the goodness and the mercy of God shall follow me all the days of my life. Father, thank you that I was able to get death-free last year. Surely the goodness and the mercy of God shall follow me all the days of my life. Thank you, God. And on top of that, my family was able to be death-free this year. So surely, God, the goodness and the mercies will follow me all the days of my life. And I, as I started to do this from beginning to end, I started to see a picture of God's goodness and of God's mercy in my life. Hey, do you guys know the um, you know those little kid activities where you connect the dots? And then, oh, it's an elephant. Or, oh, it's a train, you know? And as I started to speak out the testimonies of God, I started to connect the dots, connect the dots. and as soon as I was left with a picture of God's goodness and God's mercy, but so many times we connect the wrong dots. We connect the dots of our hardships and the dots of our trials, and what ends up is a mess. It's like, "What is this?" You know, just looks just like just scribbles everywhere. But God desires that you start to see His goodness and His mercy that He's been riding in your life, all throughout your life. Start to connect that thought, those dots. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. You know, when we look at this verse, another word for surely, if you look at um, the ver- uh, verse 6, surely, there's a, there's a footnote, and it says, it also means only. Okay, so another word that could be used and placed as surely in this verse is only. Only goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. Do you believe that? You know, do you believe that only goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life? Now you can ask me or tell me, Pastor Lydia, you don't know my life. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I'm going through right now. You know, you don't know that I've been struggling with this addiction for years. You don't know that I've been trying to overcome my issue with pride, my issue with shame. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I have to deal with right now. You know, what about this lust and addiction to pornography? What about, you know, my insecurities and fears? What about my my sickness that I've been dealing with? Haven't those things been following me? But the Bible clearly says here, only goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. And when we bring our spirits and our minds into submission to that word, we realize that the enemies are around us, but not following us. The enemies are around us, but they are not following us. You know what's following you? What's at your heels? It's goodness and it's mercy. In fact, Psalm chapter 23 is such a famous psalm. And we all know that it starts with, the Lord is my shepherd. So it talks about God being our shepherd. But what does every shepherd have? Every shepherd has sheep, dogs, and sheep. Okay? Good. (laughs) Good answer. Good answer. (laughs) You're one of those, like, students that I give a pat on the back. Good, nice try. (laughs) But every shepherd has sheep, dogs. That help herd the sheep. Now in this psalm, many people say that goodness and mercy are like the sheepdogs. They are the Lord's sheepdogs. And you are the sheep. And this goodness and this mercy is guiding you. It's at your heels, guiding you and protecting you, leading you. Now the problem is that too many of us believe that what is behind us is not goodness and mercy, but it's our enemies. And we live being chased by our fears and by our insecurities. We live in a defense mode. Because when you're being chased, you're, on the, you know, you're running away. You're also on a defense mode. And so rather than moving forward, expecting the overwhelming goodness of God to be in our lives, you know, we constantly look behind in fear. We constantly look behind. Oh, Oh, there is my enemy again. There is the fear of failure again. There is my pride. There is my insecurity. There is my addiction. But these things are not at your heels. You know, some of you are being guided and moved and shepherded more by your enemies, more by the things that you struggle with, the things that you have to deal with and fighting with, than the goodness and the love of God. But the goodness and the love of God should be what is at your heels, moving you forward. Moving you forward. You know, David says in verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, isn't that interesting that God gives you a table in the presence of your enemies? He doesn't say, I'm going to take away all your enemies. Now you can sit down and eat. He says, I'm going to prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. And some of you know that, you know, I I teach at Dongseo University, and this is my third semester. And a lot of you know that I... Have struggled (laughs) with teaching. You know, it's not something that I feel like fits me very well or that I am completely confident about my teaching skills. And so every semester I had to deal with fear and insecurity. And so this semester, our semester just, our second week just ended. And the beginning of this week I felt the same fear and the same insecurity starting to creep up on me again. And what did I do? I was like, I bind the fear. And I bind every spirit of insecurity. I bind you in the name of Jesus. And I felt like God was saying, Lydia, what are you doing? (laughs) You know, there's that moment when you feel like you're just doing the right thing. And all of a sudden, God's just like, what are you doing? And I was like, what do you mean, what am I doing? I'm fighting my enemies. Don't you see? Maybe you can help me out a little bit here. (laughs) You know, that's what I said to him. And I felt like God was saying, Lydia, there is no battle. It's like, huh? Like what? What do you mean, God? Like what do you mean there is no battle? What are you talking about? What do you mean? I, I see that fear, God. That's my enemy. I see that insecurity. That's my enemy. I'm facing it right now. Don't you see I'm trying to fight this? But I felt like I was like, no. There is no battle. Your enemies are around you. Yes, I see them too. I see that fear and I see that insecurity. But what I'm telling you is that the victory has already been won. What I'm telling you is that it's already under your feet. But as long as you keep fighting, as long as you keep struggling, you will not taste of my goodness. You're just going to be constantly fighting here, fighting there, trying to battle everything when the battle's already been won. And you just have to stand on the victory. You know as I started to realize what God was trying to tell me, I started to pray differently. Not, I bind you, you spirit of fear, in Jesus' name. But I started to pray, Well, God, I expect to see your goodness and your mercy in my classroom. I expect to see your goodness and your mercy in the way that I teach. In my skills, God, of teaching. My teaching skills, Lord. To reflect your goodness and your mercy. I expect my interactions with my students To reflect your goodness and your mercy, and I realize that if we're when we're battling, all we do is we just think about think about our enemies. Like if I could just get rid of my fear, if I could just get rid of my pride, but God wants to take you further than just fighting. Okay, it's about feasting now. It's about feasting in the presence of your enemies because your enemies are around you, but they are not chasing after you. They are not a threat to you. And the only reason why you can start to feast on the goodness of God is, th- is when you start to believe that it's already under your feet. And I felt like God was saying, you know, I've got your back, Lydia. I've got your back. So just, just feast now. Just feast upon my goodness. And as soon as I started to see that, and as, as soon as I started to pray like this, I came to a place in my week, a point in my week where I couldn't see my fears any longer. I couldn't see my insecurities any longer. And I realized what had happened is I've been chased by the goodness and the mercy of God and I moved beyond my fears and moved beyond my insecurities where it was no longer a threat to me. Let me take a moment to drink. Okay. Now you're... The question you might have is, well, what do you mean by God's goodness? A very good question that I will ask for you. Um, what, do you what do you mean God's goodness? Um, so I want to just unpack what God's goodness is, the way that I believe His Spirit is highlighting today. Uh, you know, last year I had a huge revelation. It was the biggest revelation, I can't say of my life. That's a very sanguine thing to do, okay? <laughs> so it was one of the biggest revelations of my life, and it came around the time of the Naomi Initiative. Now if you know what the Naomi initiative is then great. If you don't know then well it's let's just say that it was something that Pastor Christian and Aaron put in place to help people get married, okay? So, because my revelation really doesn't have too much to do with the Naomi initiative, I'm going to move on. And I was just randomly listening to one of Pastor Benjamin's sermon. Pastor Benjamin is the spiritual father of Pastor Christian and Aaron, who is the spiritual father of this house. Okay, so he's like our spiritual grandpa. So Pastor Benjamin was preaching this message, and he briefly mentioned on the side about how there are two sides or two halves of the work that is done upon the cross. Okay. And one is mercy, and the other is grace. And I already kind of knew this, but just to unpack it a little, Mercy is God not punishing us for our sins, as we deserve to be punished. Grace is God blessing us and extending his kindness to us, though we do not deserve it. So whatever is given to us beyond mercy is grace. Okay? Just to confuse you a little bit more. (laughs) um, Mercy is God not giving to us what we deserve, which is punishment, which is death. But grace is God giving to us what we do not deserve. And because of what Jesus did upon the cross, we are able to receive God's mercy. No longer are we punished by death for our sins, but Jesus himself took that punishment instead, and he went to the cross, and he, and he died, and he, and he bore all of our sins and all of our infirmities. But how many of you know that mercy is not as good as it gets? Not only does God show mercy, but we have also received grace upon grace. What does this mean? Okay, Let me just give you another analogy. Let's say you have a debt of a million dollars. The person you owe a million dollars, if he wants to show you mercy, he's going to cancel that debt so that now in your account, it's a clean zero. He absolves you of the debt that you have to pay. However, if that man for no reason but just from the kindness and the goodness of his heart, gives you another million dollars. In fact, he gives you, let's say, a blank check. Okay, That's grace. So now you are a millionaire. You were once in debt, a million dollars, but now you're a millionaire, a billionaire, whatever you want to put, okay? So when we say... That at the cross, Jesus showed us grace, and by faith we have received salvation. It means that on top of mercy, He has given us an unlimited supply of goodness. And through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, every spiritual blessing is ours to receive. I'm going to read you a few verses. Romans 8.32 He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Ephesians one three, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ and with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Philippians four nineteen, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. The glory of Christ Jesus is the standard of giving that God has. Okay, glory. What does glory mean? When Moses said, God show me your glory, and God said, I'm gonna let all my goodness pass before you. Goodness is Sorry, uh, glory is the fullness of God's goodness. And so what God is saying here is, he's saying that, you know, I'm going to give you, I'm going to meet all your needs according to the fullness of my goodness that is in Christ Jesus. Now, this is the kind of goodness that is chasing you down. It's not like a bowl of goodness. Okay? It's not even the ocean of goodness out there. But it is an unlimited supply that was bought by the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is the unmerited favor of God. It is every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. You know, it is all that God the Father, on top of him giving, him giving you His Son, is willing to add unto you. And church, what I'm saying is that there is abundant goodness available for you that is chasing you down in this time. And so the revelation that I got on that random day when I was listening to the sermon was this. I was living under only one half of the cross. I understood mercy. I understood that I deserved a punishment of death. But I didn't receive that. But the other half of the cross, which is grace, I realized I had such a limited understanding. What does that mean, God? Grace? To have an unlimited supply of goodness? That I have access to? What does that mean? And I started to feel the Holy Spirit start to just unveil my eyes. And he started to show me, Lydia, there's so much more than mercy. There is so much more than a neat zero in your bank account. But so many of us, all we have is just a zero. And occasionally, we step into grace. But it's usually when we feel very desperate. Like, oh my goodness, I didn't prepare my sermon. I need grace, God. That's when we use grace. But grace is not like that. Okay? Grace is the abundant goodness of God. It's goodness without limitations, it's goodness without boundaries. It's goodness that is unfathomable, that you cannot understand. It's goodness that cannot be measured, and it's the entirety of who God is. And so here I was trying to live my Christian life on mercy and a bare minimum supply of grace. And I realized that I had been living in spiritual poverty when there was this much for me that God wanted me to tap into, I was just living with just a, just a bare minimum, just enough to, quote-unquote, pay the bills. And brothers and sisters, when the Word says that surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life, it is an invitation to you to access the unlimited supply of God's grace. You know, how much of God's goodness is too much in your life? Usually, if we have too much of anything, is bad for you. Too much of McDonald's is bad for you. But too much of carrots is bad for you, too, I think, okay? Too much of anything is bad for you. But too much of God's goodness, is there such a thing? No. And so, you know, this week, every day I came, I came back home and I was like, God, that was such a good day. And I felt God just say, so, are you satisfied? What's next? And I was like, yeah, God, that that was great. I'm really satisfied. But I felt something rising up in me saying, but God, I want more. God, I know there's more because your grace is unlimited. And all I've seen is this much, then surely there's more for me to see. Surely there is still so much more for me to access, God. God, if your goodness is unlimited, if the oceans itself and the sky cannot contain your grace, surely there is more for me to see. And so my prayer each day was this, Lord, outdo yourself. Come on, God, you can do it. (laughs) Cheering God on. You can do it, God. And the verse that I want to uh, uh, kind of talk about was Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. And we use this verse often in the context of tithing. And I'm just going to read it very quickly. It says, bring The full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for your blessing that there, until there is no more need. And so God is saying here, you need to bring in the full tithe. And what's going to happen after that is I'm going to open up the windows of heaven. I'm going to bless you. But you know, a lot of us, we skimp on the tithe. Why not? I don't want to address tithing, okay? But we just skimp on the tithe. But why do we skimp? Why do we try to cut corners? It's because self-preservation kicks in. It's because we want that to hoard that little bit of goodness that we have. And because we don't trust that God can supply for our every need. And not just supply, but give us above and beyond our need. And I felt like God was saying... That Lydia, when you bring in the full tithe, when you start to fully invest your faith in me, test me in this. Test me. Will I not open up the windows of heaven for you? Will I not bless you beyond your imagination? Test me in this. I was like, God, I thought we weren't supposed to test you. (laughs) That's why the Israelites like died in the wilderness. No, why do you want me to test you? But he was like, no, that kind of testing comes from unbelief. It's testing that comes from a rebellious heart. But this kind of testing that I want you to do is a testing where you come to me with your heart full of faith, believing completely in my goodness, an undivided heart of faith, and you say to me, test, test me. God is saying, test me. Test my goodness. Will I not give from my abundant supply of grace? How much of God's goodness have you experienced in your life? Because I want to say there is so much more. Have you allowed yourself to be satisfied with just the bare minimum? Because there is so much more. And I realized that what happened was, as I started to taste God's goodness every single day, I would come home and I would start to, you know, this cup that's overflowing, I start to pour it out. God, thank you. Praise and worship started to come out. And you know, I believe that that's what God desires, is that you will taste of His goodness every single day, and you will pour it out before Him in praise and in worship. And then you will say, God, I lift my cup again, I say, God, fill my cup, overflow my cup once more, so that once again I can respond to you in praise and in worship. And you know, this, this is our destiny, guys, as worshipers. When we go to heaven, this is what we do, tasting of God's goodness and then pouring it out in worship and in praise. And then you taste again, and then you worship again. You know, there is an overflow of goodness an abundance of grace that's available for you. God's grace, we say, God's grace is sufficient for me. But usually when we say that, we say it from a place of lack. Like, oh, I don't have, you know, I don't know, I don't have money, but God's grace is sufficient for me. But that's not grace, God. Guys, grace actually means power. Dunamis, power. What that means is that even in your place of abundance, you should be crying out for grace. Not in the place of your lack. But in the place of your abundance, you should be like, God, more of your goodness. More and more of your goodness, God. You know, we look at Apostle Paul's life and we're like amazed, right? He's like, you know, he's just beyond any other Christian that's ever lived. Well maybe besides Jesus well Jesus, yeah. Anyways. Okay, my point is this, okay? The number of churches that he's planted, look at that. Okay? He he just it didn't matter what obstacle was before him. You threw him in prison, well he converted all the prisoners. Okay. Everywhere that he went, the work of God was established. He was a prolific writer. He wrote pretty much all the New Testament the New Testament. And we often look at that and we think What, what really allowed him to be such an amazing man of God? And I often looked at that and thought, well maybe, you know, maybe he is just personality, he's just choleric, okay? Okay, choleric personalities are goal driven, like, you know, there's a goal, well get away, I'm gonna make my way to that goal, okay? Bulldozer personality, right? So I thought maybe Paul's a choleric. So that gave him the energy to move forward like that. Or, and then I thought, or maybe he just has like, So much zeal and passion. It's just, you know, God just gave him an extra dose of zeal and passion that he didn't give to anybody else. But then what I realized was when I read 1 Corinthians 15.10, this is what it says. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. And so you may be asking what's the point of all this goodness? What's the point when you receive this grace, when you receive the goodness, what is the point of all of this? And I really believe that when you start to grasp grace, you start to understand this the, the goodness of God that is available for you, this grace of God starts to work through you. It starts to work in you and then it starts to work through you. You know, grace frees us from striving. Because we often feel like I got to do it, you know. I got to I got to make, you know, my destiny come happen come to place. And so we often think like, what issue do I need to take care of in my life? Like, self-discipline. Okay, got to do that more. And so we start to think, what are the ways that I can move forward? But God here, he is saying, it's not about that. Okay? Grace frees you from striving. But what grace does, it also moves you to work harder than anyone else. Simultaneously, okay? Grace frees you from striving, but simultaneously... You are working harder. You are going harder. You are moving forward a lot more than anyone else who is trying to do it on their own. Because striving is a burden on your shoulders. You cannot move fast with that burden. But once that burden is off, you are free to move forward. And so what is the point of this grace? What is the point of this goodness? I really feel like church that this is an hour to run. And This is an hour of fruitfulness. This is an hour when we have to learn how to live from an overflow and not from lack. And Pastor Christian, you know, he preached a sermon last week, last Sunday. And I really felt like it was filled with a lot of prophetic zeal. And he was speaking about how God has prepared our church community for influence. You know, this is a time, he said, to move Not a time to dilly-dally, but a time to expect the Lord to show up in divine appointments, strategic alignments, and open doors, both for community, seaside community, you know, hillside community, but also on an individual level. But if we are to move forward, we need a fresh revelation of God's grace. And our eyes need to be open to the wealth and the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus that is available for us. And so I felt like God was saying, you know, the test in this season is to see my goodness. And, and the Lord pointed me to a last uh, passage in the Bible from Luke chapter 19. And it's the parable of the ten minas. You guys know this passage. And you know, in this passage, uh, there is a nobleman who gives ten servants, each a mina. And he says, while I am away, you engage in business and multiply this mina that I've given you. And so you guys know how the first servant was like, well, I made ten more when the nobleman returned. And and he was like praised, and then he was given ten cities. And then the second person also made five more, so he was given five cities. But what happened to that one servant? He buried the mina because he said, Lord, you are a severe man. You are a hard man. You are a severe man. And you see, in this season of our church, when we desire to be a blessing, when we desire to see our lives multiply, I really believe that what God is saying is that if your eyes, if you're the way that you see me, if it is, God, you are a severe man, you will not see fruit in your life. And the key is to look at your mina. First of all, to believe that God has even given you a mina. Some of you believe you've got nothing on your hand. But let me tell you, each of you, you have at least a minor, okay? You're like, I got no wisdom, Pastor Lydia. Well, let me tell you, you got a minor of wisdom, okay? Well, I got, you know, this is what I would always say with my preaching. I would say, God, I'm not eloquent. But let me tell you, I got a minor of eloquence in me, okay? At least a minor is in you. Whatever you feel like you're lacking, at least a minor is in you. You have it. You feel like, God, I don't have enough money to, you know, to start this new business. Let me tell you, you have a mina. At least you have a mina, okay? But the point is, what are you going to do with this mina? Are you going to bury it? Or are you going to look at the master, look at the, look at our Lord Jesus Christ and say, you are good, and your abundance is enough for me. Your abundance, God, can multiply this mina. You know, there are too many of us walking around saying, God, I don't have this and I don't have that. And it says in the word that at the end, uh, what the master did was he said, take that mina away from that wicked servant and give it to the one with ten minas. When I read this, I was like, oh my gosh, that's so mean. <laughs> like, you know, I just imagine like two, two kids, right, two little boys. One, have, one, have, one has one cookie and the other has ten cookies. And I just see God coming and snatching that one cookie and giving it to the boy with ten cookies. And I was like, God, that is so mean. But you know, and and, and the people who were around, you know, the the uh, the master said the same thing. They were like, uh, where is it? They were like, uh, they were like, what do you? Why? Why? Oh, shoot. <laughs> okay. Okay. Here it is. Why? Why would you take that one minor? Oh my gosh. Okay. Never mind. Okay. So <laughs> the people who were around him were like, what are you doing, master? Like, why would you do that? And then this is what the master said. He said, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And I don't think the point is who has one mina versus who has five minas. Okay? The point is who believes that, who, that he or she has something. Who believes that he or she has been given a mina by the Lord versus who believes that they got nothing and is hoarding it away is trying to hide it, who believes that God's goodness can run out. And so in this time, I really believe that what God is saying is you need to believe that this minor that I've given you is enough. It's enough for you. And as you trust in the goodness of God that's chasing you down every day, every hour, every minute, you will see it multiply before you. You know, surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. Church, I pray that the grace of God, the goodness of God will chase you down so that when you're running this, this race of faith, you're not running being chased by evil, you're not running being chased by your insecurity or by your need to succeed, but you're being chased by the goodness of God. You are running because there's something coming after you and that's the goodness and the mercy of God. I want everyone to close your eyes. I'm just going to give you a time to respond. I'm going to open up the altar for you. And there's two different types of people that I want to open up this altar for today. And the first is this. You've been living with a negative mindset where you constantly feel like your fears, your insecurities, the difficult situations, situations in your life has been chasing you down. and all you can see is the evil. All you can see is the difficulty but you want to get free from this negative mindset and you want to start seeing that it's the goodness and the mercy of God that's chasing you. And so for those of you who want to live expecting God's goodness, expecting him to start overflowing your cup, I want you to come up here and receive prayer. And the second type of people is this you know God's goodness is chasing you down. But for the next assignment, you need a greater revelation of God's goodness. Because this assignment is so big. And when you stand before this assignment, your faith is challenged. And I really believe that in this season, it's not the challenge is not to have faith in the midst of great persecution and great trials and great tribulations. But the challenge is to have faith in the face of overwhelming goodness. God, this dream, can it really come true? God's looking for people of faith, but for you to step into that place of your next assignment, some of you need a fresh revelation that His goodness is more than enough. And so I want you guys to come forward and to receive prayer. Brothers and sisters, I believe that There is a breakthrough. There's a spirit of breakthrough in this house right now. There's a spirit of breakthrough in this house right now. And so I encourage you, I exhort you right now to come forward.